Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Gracious God, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may rejoice revealed and do what you have commanded. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the book of Jonah, chapter 1. Hear these words. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come, come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots. The lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord of God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know that it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So at first glance, you might think this story is about a dude getting swallowed by an undetermined-sized aquatic animal. And uh, you'd be right, perhaps. You can never be too careful in reading the book of Jonah. I figured I have to wear one of these. I wear one of these whenever I teach on um, Noah and the Ark, too. It's good. Uh, so, but the longer, the longer that we sit with this passage and this text in our scripture, and we study it, and we read it, and we wrestle with it, um, the longer we do that, the more and more it reveals a little bit about not only uh, who God is, but who we are 
in relation to that God. So this morning, I want to partake in a little exercise with you. Um, here's some instructions. I know some of you thrive on instructions. Here they are. Okay, we have, we have them. In, in the following slide, you will see a sentence, and you need to count the number of Fs in the sentence. Hold on. Don't worry. Don't panic. It's not a gimmick. Right? This is not a, a, a trick. This is a legitimate sentence with words and punctuation. Easy peasy, right? We are all going to look at the same sentence and attempt to count the number of Fs. All right, everyone on board? All right, so here we go. Okay, read the sentence to yourself. Fantastic. Count the number of Fs and then uh, keep track of that. I'll let you, some of you are slower readers than others. That's okay. That's good. Okay, now, uh, either by a show of uh, fingers or aloud, uh, on the count of three, I want you to tell me how, how many Fs you, you found, right? One, two, three. Are you all looking at the same sentence? Right? There seems to be some disparity. I saw some people say four, some people said three. It's great. Here, here's the, the number. There are actually six up there. It, it's okay. I, I promise, it's not a trick, right? The sentence, it, it didn't change. It's just, it's just how we're conditioned. When we, when we come to a text or when we come to a sentence, our, our mind sort of fills in the gaps or we, we jump over it. Um, and, and Jonah is sort of, you know, a lot like that. Reading the Bible can be a whole lot like that, right? You all know the story of Jonah. You grew up in church, you probably heard the children's moments on it. Maybe you had a, a, like a flannel diagram of Jonah as a child. I know I did. I've read the story of Jonah a number of times. But the longer we sit with the text, the longer we sort of look at that passage, the more and more we go, oh, I didn't realize there were six. I just saw three. Or I saw five. Or you said, maybe you see six and you go, oh... Other people didn't see that either. Let me, let me tell you about that. And Jonah will reveal things to us. Not only about who God is, but about who we are. And so we're going to sit with the, the book of Jonah for um, about four weeks. So there's four chapters in the book of Jonah. And we're going to, to read the whole chapter. So out of curiosity, um, how many of you have read a book in the Bible in its entirety? Raise your hand. Good. Yeah, about 80% similar stats in the first, uh, you know, service if you're keeping track of these things. Uh, now, how many of you have read the whole Bible in its entirety? Raise your hand. Okay, a little bit more than first service, but still about half. Maybe flip a coin, right? And that's great. I remember when I was in third grade, I took on the task of wanting to read the Bible cover to cover, as all good Americans would do. We start at the beginning and we end at the end. And I got lost somewhere in the book of numbers, maybe, with all the names and the so-and-so was so-and-so. And you're like, I kind of glazed over, right? Uh, since then, you know, I went off to school and you can major in Bible. It's something you can do. So I've read the Bible a couple times. And, and I love the Bible. I love sitting with the text. And I love reading about it. But I do have a question, right? Why Jonah? Why even study the Bible? Like, what's the point of all this? And the first is that we believe that the Bible is one of the primary ways that God has revealed God's self to us. So we believe the Bible is pretty important because we believe that it, God has revealed God's self to us in the Bible. The second thing, we believe that it teaches us a whole lot about God. And the third thing is we believe it teaches us a whole lot about ourselves. And so that's why we're going to sit with Jonah for a while. And you might ask the question, okay, I'm sold. All right, let's get into this. Let's go with Jonah. Let's talk about some context. First, where can you find the book of Jonah? The book of Jonah is one of those tricky books. Nah, -uh -uh. He's hard to find because he's in that part of the Bible with all the really confusing names. 
right? So you find like Proverbs or Psalms and you go to the right a little bit, like Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Malachi, all those things. You're like, too many, right? Jonah's in there. And there's only four chapters. So if you're just skipping like this, you're going to miss it. You're going to go like Obadiah and now I'm in Matthew, right? That's what's going to happen to you. So it's in there. It's in the Old Testament. It's a story about a prophet, which is interesting that it's not a, like a book about his prophecies. There's actually only one prophecy in the entire book of Jonah, who's a prophet. It's fascinating. There's only one prophecy. It's in chapter 3. We'll get there in a couple weeks. And so, who was Jonah? As we begin to think about Jonah, Jonah was a prophet. And what is a prophet, you ask? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Thank you so much. It's someone who speaks for God, right? The Hebrew word for prophet is navi, and it means mouthpiece. It's the mouthpiece. A prophet is someone who speaks for God, and they are a mouthpiece for God. He's mentioned in 2 Kings 14. If you're a big history nerd, you've got to know more. Just turn to 2 Kings 14. You'll find it. He's right there. He hung around in the northern kingdom during a time of prosperity. All the other prophets were given a pretty short stick, right? They're promised weeping. They're promised tears. They're promised to see their homeland ripped down and destroyed before. That sounds really fun, doesn't it? Sign me up for that job. Where can I apply? But Jonah, no, he's got a pretty sweet deal going on. He's promised that during his time, the borders will expand. And then he's given this one job to go talk to someone in Nineveh. And he's like, I don't want to do that. It's not in the fine print. And so that's Jonah's lot in life. When we look at the book of Jonah, if you are, um, happen to be a five-year-old boy named Emery, who's my son, he's always interested in a couple things, right? Who are the bad guys? Who are the good guys, right? Is this Thanos we're talking about here, Dad? Or is it Spider-Man? Well, Jonah, great question. Who are the bad guys in Jonah? It seems to be the Assyrians, right? Seems to be the Assyrians. Who are the good guys? Not really clear who the good guys are. And we'll find out as we read more about Jonah. And the book begins like this. Verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Let's stop right there. That is a polite way of saying that God has interrupted Jonah. Right? Jonah is minding his business. He's doing what he does. He is sort of taking his tasks and minding his things when God decides to get all up in his business. And I wonder if you've ever been interrupted by God. Maybe if you've received a text from me during the week, I promise you that that was me being interrupted by God. Because my job is not to text all of you during the week. But sometimes God bugs me and says, you need to text so-and-so because they're going through a hard time. And I say, I don't want to do it. I don't, I'm going to send an email instead or do something else. Don't bother me. La, la, la. And then God lays it on my heart and he keeps bugging me. He says, you need to send a text and talk to that person. And I say, fine. And so I lament, right? I send the text. And then sure enough, I say, how'd you know? And that's God bugging me, getting in my heart, telling me to do something, lays it on you, right? My call to ministry is a whole, like, a whole lot like this. I wanted to uh, get into IT software. I wanted to build my own computers. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, they were like the rock stars. On the side, I wanted to do a little interior design and blend these two together. That's what I wanted to do. And now I'm a pastor wearing life preservers in front of y'all. Like, the, you know, God has a funny way of getting into our business and saying, no, this is what you're going to do instead, Right? Man, where was I? Okay, verse 2, yeah. Go at once to Nineveh. Like, where in the world is Nineveh, right? 
So if you are, let's go to the next slide here. Um, if you ever watch Monty Python on the Holy Grail, I say, what is the capital of Assyria? The answer is, it is Nineveh, right? So the capital of Assyria is Nineveh. It's that red circle right there. The big blue thing to the left, that's the Mediterranean Sea. And the big green piece, that is the Assyrian Empire. So Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And Jonah is told to go here. Remember where Jonah is from? He is from Israel. That is this big red circle right here. That's where he's from. He's supposed to go east to Nineveh. But the Bible says Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid his fare and went on board. Which raises the question, where's Tarshish, right? Is it maybe like a suburb of Nineveh? It's just on the outskirts of town. Um, We're not really sure where Tarshish is, right? There's lots of debate over it. It's probably somewhere in Spain. This is what we know about Tarshish. It ain't in Nineveh, right? It's not there, right? Like, God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, and he goes, ha, 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 good. Like, I'm going this way, right? No, that's not what happens. He goes the other direction, 2,500 miles the other way. We know from history that ships traveled about, like, two to four knots. That's really slow, Right? We have uh, historical documents of ships that have left that side of the Mediterranean and traveled to Spain, and that is a three-year journey. Jonah has no intention of going to Nineveh. He doesn't want to go. So he goes down and he charters a little pleasure cruise, gets on the Mediterranean, goes to sleep. He paid them to go to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, in that day and time, uh, ancients believed that deities were tied to a locale. They were tied to a position and a place on the earth, on the dirt in the world. And so, Jonah's God lives in the temple in Jerusalem. He thinks he can get far enough away from the temple that God will forget about him. He thinks he can flee from the presence of God. And so this makes perfect sense for Jonah. So he goes to the sea, and God churns up a storm. And the mariners, right, who are on the ship, they all throw cargo overboard to make the ship lighter and more nimble in the storm. And they all cry out to their gods. And the captain comes down to find Jonah asleep and says, Jonah, get up. Call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us so that we will not perish. Now, perhaps prophets are supposed to have thought of this already. Right? Prophets are supposed to call on God. They're supposed to speak for God, but not this prophet. Jonah has forgotten to do that. Jonah is uh, sleeping, forgotten to call on God. It slipped his mind. And so they start casting lots. Now, if you're a Bible reader, you've come across the word lots a few times. The most sort of famous occurrence of lots is in the New Testament where the Roman guards are gathered around some of Jesus' garments and they're casting lots for his clothes. Lots are um, kind of an ancient form of dice. And people would contribute something, and they put them in a container, and they shake them up, and they cast the lot. And the lot falls on Jonah. And so they begin asking some questions. All of a sudden, it comes out. Who are you? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? Who are your people? And then the prophet, in chapter 1, finally speaks. I worship Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. 
Oops. And worship Yahweh, the God who made the sea. And they happen to be on the sea. And then they try and save him. And this is one of the most interesting parts of the first chapter, because if you ask the question, who is the most faithful so far in the story, who's the good guy? Well, it ain't Jonah. It's the sailors who are pagans. It's the sailors who do not know God. These no-named sailors, the heathen pagans who worship other gods, we get a glimpse into their lives in this one moment. And Jonah tells them in verse 12 that he knows it is because of him that the storm has come and that they should just throw him overboard. Immediately in verse 13, the word comes up. It says, nevertheless, nevertheless, they toil in the sea and they try and save him. And then they cry out, not to their pagan god, but in the text, if you read this, if you ever see L-O-R-D, Lord, and you see it all in capital letters, that's God's personal name revealed at Mount Sinai to Moses, right? That's God's proper name. And a Jew would say Adonai, and we know it to be Yahweh. So you have pagans calling on not their God, but calling on Yahweh on behalf of Jonah, interceding for Jonah. This is an amazing interplay of, of God telling Jonah what he needs to do and then Jonah running from God because when Jonah speaks, his words are proven true. And Jonah tells the sailors who he worships and they fear God for who God is and they worship him. Jonah tells the sailors how to end the storm and they begrudgingly do as he says. And Jonah's words come to pass as true. Verse 17 says, But the Lord provided a large fish, because God is always providing. Sometimes we need the provision in times of need and desperation, and sometimes it comes when we least expect it. Jonah probably thought this was the end, but God ain't done with Jonah yet. And we're going to find out in chapter 4 that Jonah... Ain't done with God yet. So some concluding thoughts. If you're like me, you've, uh, you've tried to run from God. If you haven't tried to run from God, I promise it's coming, right? Because God asks us to do things that fall way outside of our comfort zone. He calls us to go talk to people that don't look like us, who don't share any of the same customs, cultures, ideas, personality. And it makes us look awkward and foolish when God tells us to go and do something. And so uh, just a little bit about me, a, a touch is a, I, I've, I've ran from God. My call is not perfect. Uh, it has to do around me kind of uh, trying to do something with finances. And uh, I thought I could do something there and struggled with insomnia and depression. Uh, but that's really a different sermon and a different time. Um, because God calls us to do things that are far outside of our comfort zone. He calls us to do things that we don't want to do. So when God calls us, may we just not hear, but may we have the courage to follow and do what God is calling us to do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.